from the Tulsa world. This is the OSU Sports Extra Podcast, sponsored by Albert G's Barbecue. Here are your hosts, Dean Rule and Jawan Lee. We're on for the second time this week. You know, our first week doing two, two a week, but we have a game Saturday, Dean. Hey, I mean, that's what falls in, in or that's what Saturdays in fall are for. College football, uh, the, the train just keeps on rolling. So it's going to be great. Uh, a very interesting opponent OSU has, but yeah, it's great. We're back, and, and uh, that's why you're getting a little double scoop of uh, OSU Sports Extra podcast this week. OSU is going into this game 2-0, but if you look at some of the reactions from some of the fans through these first couple of weeks, you wouldn't be able to tell that you know they're they're unblemished in the in the loss column this week, but they got they have a South Alabama team who's um coming coming off a couple of games on their end. What do you know about them, and what can you tell me about South Alabama? Well, I mean, the first thing that Mike Gundy said when asked about them was, "This is going to be the most physical team OSU faced or." Has faced up to this point. Now I understand there's only been two games, so maybe not the largest pool in, uh, in terms of opponents to pull from just yet. But uh, the, the South Alabama is an interesting program in that they're coming off a, a ten and three season, which I believe is a program best. I don't think they've ever won ten games before until last year. They've got a coach who I think is really kind of steering them in the right direction, and, and that's Kane, Kane Womack. And on top of that, I think what could give OSU the biggest trouble, and I think it's why if you kind of read some prediction articles from, from national places, you'll see OSU maybe gets thrown into that upset watch category. I, I don't think they, they should definitely win this game, but um, the, the, the South Alabama team is really built on Veteran presence, uh, a lot. I think 19 out of 22 starters returned from last year. So that in and of itself, OSU is still trying to figure out a lot of their positions. South Alabama is probably pretty secure um, when you're returning that that many starters. So it's going to be an interesting, I think, just clash. And I think after this week, you maybe have a much better understanding of what OSU is this year. And, you know, before I just totally went blank before I tossed it to you, I was trying to say that they're coming off of a 35 to 17 win over South Southeast Louisiana. And then they also started to say the season with a 37 to 17 loss um, against Tulane. Now, one of the biggest storylines that I mean, you wrote about earlier this week and probably coming into this this game was about getting the rushing game established in the first half. Last week against Arizona State, zero yards net rushing for Oklahoma State. And looking at South Alabama now, of course, Oklahoma State is going to be a different team from what South Alabama saw last week, but they allowed 62 yards rushing. Um, how do you see this rushing game kind of translating over from what you've seen at Arizona State to this week against South Alabama? Yeah, Joanna, to take that even a step further, uh, just on the season, South Alabama, when you factor in that two-lane game, is still only allowing 3.2 yards per rush, and I think 102 yards per game. So th- those numbers against Southeastern Louisiana, you can look at it and say, well, they're, they're playing a, a lesser opponent. Even when you put Tulane in there, they, they, they kind of were able to stop that, uh, that, that run game a little bit. And so the biggest thing for OSU is, and if you talk to the running backs, you talk to the offensive line, you talk to the coaching staff, this – 
rushing attack needs to get ignited earlier. Right. The the luck of and and I wrote about this yesterday. The luck is about to run out. The, you cannot keep getting away with the performances you're having. Third quarter, fourth quarter, those have obviously been great. The, those numbers look good. And those performances have been effective. They've been efficient. They've been, I think, reminiscent. They symbolize what OSU spent this whole offseason working on. What they're, what they're able to do in the running game in the third and fourth quarter out of the half is what they've been working on this whole time. But is that only working, Juwan, because they're playing against teams that maybe don't have the depth on the defensive line at linebacker to where they're all of a sudden they're playing against a tired opponent and now they can kind of really get it going? Or is it they're just simply not getting things set up how it needs to be set up at this moment? And, and, and that's kind of the the back and forth of it. I think that's the discussion. and You'll probably figure something out about that, what it truly is. Um, after this Saturday's game. But yeah, the, the run game needs to get kickstarted earlier. Watching on Saturday, I think maybe it's the running back by committee, OSU is always going to do. They like to have two or three running backs ready to go at all times. But you want, I think Saturday is when they should start to deviate from that. I think Ali Gordon should be getting 15 carries a game, not eight, you know. Right. You, I think on the season, Ollie Gordon and Elijah Collins both have 16 attempts and Jade Nixon's at 13. So that's it's it's a little bit like the quarterback situation. It's been split evenly into thirds between those three guys. Um, now, all of a sudden, I think now this is the game you want to start to, to deviate from that. And I get wanting to keep everybody fresh. Uh, that's a valid concern. But I think it's time to just kind of let Ollie Gordon take over give him the ball, and let's see what he can do. And to expand behind that point, I got his stats pulled up here. I mean, 16 carries, 97 yards, two touchdowns, 6.1 yards per rush for Ollie Gordon heading into this game. How confident are you in him to handle an extended workload and for this Oklahoma State offense to get their running game going earlier? I'd say Ollie Gordon handling a bigger workload I'd have no concern there. Powerful running back. He gets downhill. He can catch the ball from time to time if he needs to, but that's that's not what he's primarily for. That that's more of a Jaden Nixon um type of that, that the the catching element fits more with Jaden Nixon and what he does rather than what Ollie Gordon does. Um no, I think Ollie Gordon can handle that. I think if we even look back, I don't know how many attempts he had. Uh, when they played West Virginia last year, but he had a, he was the main running back that game. He had 136 yards. He looked every bit the part, and I think now you really start to kind of oh, she really needs to start to showcase that off. As for the running game getting going, I'd probably put that in the uh, mildly concerned category at this moment. Um, there, there's not a reason, in my opinion that they shouldn't have been trying to get it going each of the first two games. Right. I don't think that's something that they just, well, we'll just wait till the second half. I don't think that's <laughs> that was the approach the first two games. <laughs> so I think the approach was to get that going and have that consistently going throughout the game. They haven't been able to do that yet. And so I don't know, is that really, are we going to see a steep change against South Alabama? 
it could happen. I'm not saying it won't, but I put that getting the run game going early in the mildly concerned category just because it hasn't happened the first two games yet. Just being around this team and listening to Mike Gundy, do you feel there are anything, any different situations that they're going to put this running back group or this offensive, this offense in this weekend that can help get their run game going earlier? Uh, I, I think they've obviously been successful in halftime adjustments, and that's something that they're going to continue to do. I think it really just needs to come down to the offensive line. Now, this should be the first game where they are able to have their five projected starters from the preseason play on the offensive line. Okay. Uh, Jake Springfield got injured against Central Arkansas, missed Arizona State. Seems that he should be back this week. Preston Wilson did not play uh, against Central Arkansas for non-football-related reasons. Played a little bit against Arizona State, but now he should be kind of back in, in in that full-time role. So I think if you get those guys back together, I know the tight end fullback area in, in terms of blocking, they're still trying to work some things out there. But another game is obviously going to build up on the comfort level. So I think if you – this is just the next step in getting it there. And so I think that they feel they're close, but until you see it, it's always going to feel close, if that makes sense. All right. Speaking of of comfort level, I you know, I think it's something that we're going to continue to hit on pretty much every podcast until we nail down someone who's going to take over this quarterback position. Is Oklahoma State going into this game again looking at an even three-quarterback rotation? Based on everything that's been said, yeah, this is another uh, three-quarterback rotation. But I'll say this, John. I think this could be the final game. And that's just pure speculation on my behalf. But let's, let, let's just do a numbers game real quick on this. Three games – if they go with this, with a starting order of – Let's see, it'd have to be, it'd go Gunnar Gundy, Garrett Rangel, and then Alan Bowman. If they do that cut, if we take a, a college football game, we cut it into thirds. First act, second act, third act. And they go in that order of Gundy, Rangel, Bowman. Hypothetically, that would give OSU tape of each player playing in one of those thirds. So you'd have tape of Garrett, uh, Garrett Rangel playing in the first, second, and third um, acts you'd have that for Bowman and you have that for Gundy and that would give you I think a full game would be the O's would be done with conference play and then we would see I, I feel like everybody would be able to see what is available if that makes sense um, on top of that you're about to hit Iowa State and then Kansas State you probably want to have it figured out by then right right you know, just kind of expanding on that a little bit more, breakdown for me, what do you feel each quarterback would have to do in this game to take over the starting quarterback role moving forward? It's interesting because in the first two games, just from my vantage point, OSU has, when they put these quarterbacks out there, maybe not the best first drive, a decent second drive, pretty good third drive, and a pretty good fourth drive. feels like right when these Quarterbacks are settling in and, and building up some momentum is when they're getting pulled out and putting the next guy in. And so I think that makes it hard 
for guys to separate themselves on the stat sheet, right? I think what it's going to come down to for somebody to separate themselves in this game is going to be what they do situationally. And I think whoever's going to have that late third quarter, uh, fourth quarter segment of the game, I think it could, could pull away, especially if this is a close game. Kind of like what Gunnar Gundy did against Central Arkansas. That was a close game. He came in. He led two. He led back-to-back scoring drives, and OSU pulled away in that game. Um, same with kind of Bowman out of halftime against Arizona State. It, I, I think whoever is able to kind of pull OSU away in this game is who kind of earns their stripes, uh, as Mike Gundy said, it, when it comes to this competition. You know, Dean, I think you made a pretty interesting point about, you know, when you're you, – you have a set number of drives in these quarterbacks' minds that they're going to get this game. And, again, going back to the word comfort, do you feel that any of them have pressed a little bit more knowing in the back of their mind that, okay, I'm only going to get three or four drives to showcase what I can do before the next guy is coming in? Are you seeing their comfort level out there when they're on the field, when they get their turn at controlling the offense? I'll say this, Juwan. Uh, I spoke with Clint Shelf today. We're going to have a story up. It might be up now. We're recording this Thursday afternoon. It for sure will be up Friday morning. Um, and, I, and I asked because he's gone through some quarterback battles uh, during his OSU time uh, about a decade ago. And he he said something that was relatively interesting. He said, there is no comfort when you're <laughs> dealing with something like this, right? Because you're you're not necessarily overthinking each play, but you are concerned. Am I making the right read? Am I making the right throw? Was that a good throw? What's the other guy doing? It, it, it's you're you're constantly in a second guess. You're you're constantly second guessing what you're doing, um, and so I think that's the other thing why maybe you've not seen some of these quarterbacks take the risks they're probably capable of pulling off because I think everybody's just trying to play smart football. Right, make exactly. the late throw. Not don't take the easiest throw, but take the correct one. Make sure it's there. Don't you know? Just air it out and and hope the receiver catches it. You want to put together. I think, I think all these guys are trying to put together tape, so that when the coaches sit down, they say, okay, he did not. He, you know, he could have done this, but instead he did this. You know, it, it's not the incorrect thing to do, but. I don't think you want to none of these quarterbacks want to take themselves out by making incorrect plays, even though maybe they could do it. Maybe they could pull off those riskier plays. And that's why when Mike Gundy talks about how uh, when the offensive staff gets together and they grade out these players based on their, you know, game happens Saturday, they, the offensive staff gets together Sunday and they, they grade out. Um, these players based on pre-snap, post-snap, doing their job, making the correct read. They take all these factors in and they spits out a number, right? And Mike Gunny was talking about it. Well, everybody's grade is high. I think that's just nobody's willing to take those risks at this moment because they don't want to play themselves out of this starting job. Before we flip sides and see how this OSU defense stacks up against South Alabama's offense, kind of looking at it now, who do you expect or who do you predict takes control of the quarterback job after this week. And it's a good question, Juwan. I think from a personal standpoint, 
if it were me, I think you always just side with experience, right? You side with the older guy. And I know some people say, well, when it's tight, go younger to build for the future. And I'm not saying that's a bad strategy at all. I think that works too. It, it really just comes down to personal preference. Um, I think even if if your older guy is 0.1% better, you go with him just because you got the experience. I think they can, you got a game manager who's been there, who's done it. Um, and Al Bowman looked good against, well, I guess I got it wrong. Gunnar Gundy was, was at a halftime against Arizona State. I misspoke. Alan Bowman started. Um, but no, I, I, I think his stats looked good. He took some sacks, but all in all, I think he sided with experience. But I, I, no matter what they do, you can argue one way or the other for any guy at this point. Flipping, flipping to South Alabama's offense, um, they had a really productive game last week, just kind of going over some of the stats. You know, Carter Bradley, who's their starting quarterback, 258 yards passing. 248 yards collectively rushing, and their leading receiver, Colin Lacey, eight receptions for 139 yards and a touchdown. Looking at all that, and again, you know, southeastern Louisiana is a much different matchup for South Alabama than Oklahoma State will be this weekend. But kind of going over what they've been able to accomplish this season, how do you feel Oklahoma State's defense matches up against their offense? You know, I I think they, they match up just fine. What I found interesting last week um, on the defensive side, especially you're talking about some maybe some more explosive athletic receivers uh, in the South Alabama receiving group. The the secondary made some mistakes and they are younger secondary. And I think a lot of people expected that. It, it wouldn't be a polished, complete polished product just yet for OSU secondary, because there are a lot of guys who are stepping in to starting roles even the backups are stepping into more uh, they're contributing more and i think there were some some big plays led up against arizona state that kind of kept the sun devils in the game so i think from a defensive perspective south alabama might be another good test of just ironing out some of the issues in in the secondary um but i think the biggest issue on the defensive side that needs to be cleaned up Jawan. You could be playing, uh, you know, a, a Division three school. If you can't tackle, you're going to have problems. And that's been an issue for OSU two games in. Now, what I we haven't mentioned this in a while, but going back to when you ranked OSU schedule, most, you know, least intriguing or most intriguing, you have South Alabama seventh. If you can kind of expand on that and – you know, a brief brief summary on why you had them there. You said this could be the Cowboys' toughest non-conference game. It should provide a good barometer for OSU entering Big 12 play. You still stand by that? And, you know, just touch on again, why did you rank them seventh here? Yeah, I mean, if we look across the board at OSU's non-conference schedule, you'd probably say, well, Arizona State's going to be the toughest non-conference game they play. Just It's a Power 5 school, but – Looking at that, you know, they had a new head coach. They've got a true freshman quarterback. They've got, I think it was 30-something transfers. That was a team that I don't think you could really gauge what you're going up against. And and um, with South Alabama, just it's veteran. The amount of veterans they have on that team, the, the year that they're coming off of, I think that just 
you talk about momentum years, kind of benchmark years for a program. They're coming off of one, right? And, and obviously, I think Tulane took care of them pretty easily um, to open the season. But, you know, Tulane was a top 25 team uh, to start the year. OSU's not. And, and I'm not – once again, <laughs> it gets thrown around like OSU could be on upset alert this week. I'm saying I do not think they are on upset alert week this week. But point being, South Alabama is not just – somebody I think you can cruise by. They are a tough opponent. They've they've got a lot of experience. They've proven they can win. And that's why I think this is a good just kind of OSU. This is a good game for OSU to test the water, see where are we really at as we go into conference play. And so that's why I think this is such an intriguing game because it's going to show, I think, a lot about OSU just with the level of opponent they're going up against. What are some of the main things defensively you are hoping to see from OSU as they come from South Alabama? They have Iowa State on the schedule next week. So what, you know, things are you hoping they hit on coming from this game? Well, I just mentioned a moment ago, the missed tackling needs to be cleaned up. Like this is a major issue to be dealing with. Um, and it, it's weird. You got to find the balance to it, Juwan, because – if you want to go and be tackling in practice all throughout, you know, spring camp, fall camp, you suddenly run the risk of not showing up to games healthy, right? I mean, injuries in game, those are unavoidable. That is just the cost of doing business, right? Players right. will get injured in the game. You can't do anything against that. But you can do a lot to keep your players healthy in practice. The consequence of that, though, when you're not tackling in practice a bunch, is you miss tackles in games, as we've seen. So I think it's hard to find that balance. And obviously OSU very much so wanted to be healthy going into going into the season. And so obviously the the, the ramping it up, they're tackling more. That that is happening in practice. It happened before Arizona State. It's happened this week. But I think that's just something that's going to take time. And it was not great in that first quarter to first half against the Sun Devils. But I think they it, it got much better uh, as the game went on, and we'll see if OSU can continue to build off of that um, against South Alabama. The other thing defensively that really stood out to me that I think fans will probably want to see more of, um, and it's something OSU can build off of this, this Saturday, is Colin Oliver seems to be getting a bit more comfortable with his new role. I think he was he was a little he was quiet in that first uh, against Central Arkansas, but they you know kind of had him come off the edge, linebacker. He had a great hit um, early in the game that forced a fumble uh, in in the in the red zone. But I heard, I heard somebody make this comparison to him, and I thought it was great. Colin Oliver needs to be the Micah Parsons of OSU's defense this year. Mm. He's asked to do a lot. He's got, look, Micah Parsons is a unicorn of an athlete, but Colin Oliver has some of those intangibles still. And and I think that's kind of what they want from him this year. And and I think as another week gets added under his belt in this new position, I'm interested to see what more they can do with him um, as he gets more adjusted to the role. 
earlier in the week, you know, you included in your notebook this question about does Brian Nardo's group have the capability to carry OSU this season? Mike Gundy said, you know, it's too early. Looking at early, you know, small sample size, are you able to kind of put together a an assumption about what this defense can be? Can Do they have the capability to help carry OSU this year? Or are you kind of also on the same boat of, you know, it's a little too early right now to to proclaim that? It's probably too early. And and that, uh, what you're referencing, was written a little bit in the shadow of what 2021's defense in Jim Knowles' last year, what they were able to do. And two games into that season, that defense did not like look did not look like it was going to be anything remotely to what it looked like by the end of the season. You know that was a top three, top five defense uh, at, at the end of the year, and they looked nothing like it when they played Missouri State and Tulsa to start the season. Um, so obviously, it, it's something you definitely have to grow into, right? It, it it's nobody has the answer to what it can be just yet but what i think can help them out and what makes for maybe a bit more like there are there are aspects of the defense i say okay this is a problem such as you know the secondary needs to really grow up a little bit not like when, when i mention the secondary, i'm not saying like oh they're awful they're terrible they can't defend anything they have pieces and they've looked good but there have been some lapses that have caused big plays if they can clean that up I think that's beneficial. The linebacker group looks the linebacker group looks strong, especially as Colin Oliver, like we just mentioned, kind of grows more into that role. And Nicholas Martin has been phenomenal through two games. So all in all, uh, yeah, I think I think it it could. I mean, if I were betting on it, I would probably say no, it's not, it can't carry the the offense this year. We'll see. I mean, Jim Knowles' defense his first year let up like 400 yards a game. By the end of it, they were one of the best defenses. By the end of the four-year run, they were one of the best defenses in the country. So, and what Mike Gundy said in that was, you know, it'll be interesting to see how our recruiting changes under Brian Nardo. Because that's really kind of where Jim Knowles started to see the switch was when he started recruiting guys that fit the traits they were looking for, it was able to work. Um yeah, I think it's, it's just a smidge too early to tell what they have and if that defense can truly carry this offense. Taking a step back and looking over the grand landscape of, you know, everything that we talked about today, what is your prediction for Saturday's game? I would say I will put the score somewhere in the range. Here, actually – Here's going to be my crazy score prediction, Juwan. For the first time since last October, OSU will score more than 30 points, I think, on Saturday. I'm going to put okay. them I'm going to put them right on the dot, 30, and I'm going to say South Alabama, I'll go 17. That's where I'll go. I'll go 30 to 17. OSU comes out of the non-conference schedule 3-0. I also think they comes out they come out of this game three and zero, but I have the game a little bit more closer. I have OSU twenty four, South Alabama twenty one. I'm Ooh. interested to I'm interested to see where this run game goes Saturday if they give Ollie Gordon a chance to you know really 
be the head back of this this committee, then I'll have a little bit more confidence moving forward. But, you know, zero yards rushing in the first half. I mean, it's the second straight game that they're, you know, that they're struggling with coming out the gate, running the ball. And I, I think that catches up with them a little bit this week. As you said in your article earlier this week, hey, the, the luck's going to run out eventually. I don't think it runs out enough for them to lose, but I think this game will be close, though. So that is that is my prediction. I've OSU twenty four, South Alabama twenty one this week. Juan, let's do let's do one more prediction. Who uh um who's gonna be the game MVP for you? Who are you predicting there? I think the game I think the game MVP comes out to be Alan Bowman, actually. You Ooh. know, um we have we we may have a little bit of a special guest for you all next week, but talking to one of his former coaches about some of the things that he knows about Alan Bowman in this locker room. I think that he comes out with a little bit more confidence in what he can do and what he feel he know he should do. So I'm going to lean on Alan Bowman to be the game MVP and take control of this quarterback battle. Juwan, Juwan, you're going with, I think these might be beyond just hot takes. These are flaming <laughs> hot takes from you. <laughs> I'm I'm writing this down. I'm gonna put it on my desk. I got Juwan's going 24-21. Alan Bowman is the game MVP. So we'll revisit this on uh, on Tuesday. For sure. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go. So I'm at 30 to 17. I'll go. I think Ollie Gordon does separate himself this week. I'm gonna go Ollie Gordon, game MVP. Um so yeah, we'll revisit those. We'll see what that looks like, but this will be, it'll be it'll be an interesting game. There's I think I think you can make a case that any of these games is going to be interesting until OSU really kind of finds its identity. But uh, this one for sure. I think that's just the way I kind of look. If I'm more of a pessimist than an optimist, so you guys can take that as <laughs> as you may. But when this podcast comes out, make sure to like, share, and comment. Who do you feel you guys MVP will be? Because we'll be tuned into the game and we'll be able to revisit it and. Podcast will be available on all platforms, any platform that you listen to. So, again, we appreciate you guys joining us for another week of talking OSU football, and hopefully we'll come back here next week with some good news, Dean. Let's see. All right, and that's it for us. Peace.